The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. One of my favorite comedians, and we had him on our morning show many, many times through the years, Tom Dreesen is getting ready to hit the road after kind of a rough year in the pandemic. Tom has made over 500 national TV appearances as a stand-up, including, of course, Carson and Letterman, although he is still best known for being Frank Sinatra's opening act for many, many years. The way he got his start in the business is pretty incredible, too. Please welcome comedian Tom Dreesen from his home in Los Angeles. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? I'm great, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me, and I, I hope that uh, you've been in good health this past year. Well, I had the I had the COVID. And, oh, you did uh, back in August, and ended up in the hospital for five days. But I beat that, and then I started playing a lot of golf and took my shots and my one and two. So now I'm doing fantastic. That is great to hear. Have you done other things this year? Have there been things stand-up wise for you to do this past year? No, we, you know, all of my bookings canceled and, right. and postponed and now starting to open up again. But I did some visuals. I did visuals of my, uh, uh, of my one-man show, The Man Who Made Sinatra Laugh. And it went over real well, so I did that. And uh, plus, the, my book being out, so consequently, I'm doing shows, you know, zooms and all those kind of things, podcasts and and radio phoners and everything like this. You know, you've always been one of my favorite comedians, and and uh, I think even to this day, people don't realize that you and Tim Reed of WKRP fame were a comedy duo for quite a few years. Yeah, that's actually how I got into showbiz. I never thought I'd ever be a comedian. It was the furthest thing from my mind. I was in the JCs and I wrote a drug education program teaching grade school children the ills of drug abuse with humor, a concept I had to get in at an elementary school level uh, before they got introduced to drugs. But then we found out they, many of them had already been introduced to them. But uh, they weren't teaching drug education at a college or a high school level in those days, let alone at an elementary school level. And one day at a JC meeting, Tim Reed said, I'd like to work with you on that project. And, you know, we, we start doing it together. And one day, a little eighth grade girl said, you guys are funny. You ought to become a comedy team. <laughs> Never, you know, we start thinking about it and we start writing what we thought was material. There were no comedy clubs in those days. So we did, you know, all black clubs in the North and the South called the Chitlin Circuit. Right. Black on black. And then we, then we did all white night clubs too and eventually the Playboy Circuit. We paid dues like no one else had ever paid before from 1969 to 1975. Uh, but, you know, the team finally split up. And Tim went on to become w uh, Venus Flytrap on WKRP and many other shows. But we're still the best of friends, and and uh, it, it, there's talk about a, a miniseries about our life. Uh, to people playing Tim and I, maybe on Netflix, are talking about it now. That makes sense to me, because I don't know if ever before or even after there has been a, a black and white comedy team, has there? No, we were the first, and we were the last. Yeah. There's been one since. When you and Tim split then, and you would go solo, was a little bit scary initially because you had kind of that comfort zone of having a partner. Yeah, I had never been on stage alone before, and uh, so I had. To, it was a whole new journey for me. But uh, after a while, when I got the, really got the hang of it, it was a, a lot of fun. You know, with a comedy team, you've got to really be, really be cognizant of your partner and, and timing and setting your timing off of his last laugh. And, and there's a, the, it's really a, an art form. 
and but stand-up comedy, you can let your mind go wherever you want it to go because you're in charge. You're you're the one, you know. So it, it's a, it was a totally different dynamic, but I really got acclimated to it and loved it, you know. And and then after doing my first appearance on the Tonight Show, my whole life changed. You know. Yeah, and how was it that Frank Sinatra would see you and become interested in you, maybe doing a few dates with you, which eventually turned into something even bigger? Yeah, that was really exciting. I, I was running and I was working with Smokey Robinson and Caesars in Lake Tahoe, and Frank was appearing next door. And I was running into the showroom after my show to catch Frank's show, and the vice president of Harris Hotel was out in front with a man named Mickey Rudin, Frank's lawyer. And he introduced me to Mickey Rudin, and, and Holmes Hendrickson said to Mickey Rudin, I think Tom would make a great opening act for Frank Sinatra. And the lawyer got a pained expression on his face like he'd heard this a million times. <laughs> right. But I caught the wink when he winked at the vice president, and he looked at me. He said, hey, kid, if I gave you a week with Frank, would you want more than 50000 I said, Mr. Rudin, put it this way. If you gave me a week with Frank, would you want more than 50000 <laughs> And the next thing you know, I was working with Frank. And then the second night I worked with Frank, he and his wife Barbara took me out to dinner. We were in Atlantic City at the Golden Nugget. And he said, I like your material and I like your style. I'd like you to do a few other dates with me if you're interested. And I didn't say, let me check my calendar. I said, yeah. And it turned into 14 years of 45, 50 cities a year, a great friendship, uh, a guy I loved. And I worked with him till his very last song. And I was a pallbearer at his funeral and I spoke at his funeral. And I know you say it in your book that when you were a kid, Sinatra was one of your heroes, one of your idols. So this had to be a little overwhelming for you when you first got that offer? No doubt. When I was on my hands and knees shining shoes in bars back in Harvey, Illinois, a suburb on the south side of Chicago, he was on all the jukeboxes. And then you know, flash forward, I was carrying his coffin out of a church in Beverly Hills, California. And that's what the book is about. It's that journey and all the ups and downs and the rejections, but getting back up again, the, the fun and, and, the, uh, you know, and, and, and the tough times. That's what the book is all about. You uh, were with Sinatra, as you say, for, for several years. Did you just kind of stand off to the side of the stage? Yeah, night after night after night. I never, whenever I did my show, you know, if we worked Vegas or Tahoe, Reno, or Atlantic City, when I said goodnight and walked off stage, stage right, he crisscrossed me. He would enter as I was exiting. We'd cross each other. He'd go to center stage and say, Tommy, Tommy Dreesen, come back and take another bow. Tommy, there he is. There's my man. And I'd come back out and take another bow. And then I'd go in the wings and watch him do his magic. Yeah. You know, uh, watch how the crowds reacted to him, you know, in the big arenas, especially in the 20,000 seaters and, and 40,000 in Hawaii. Just how he would be walking to the microphone, creating more excitement just uh, walking to the microphone than most people did with the whole act, you know. Uh, his fans adored him. His music was a soundtrack of their lives, you know. Uh, he He just was an incredible performer. You mentioned you're on Carson so many times. I remember those appearances. And also David Letterman. You actually were really good friends with Dave, right? Yeah, I still am. You know, I did almost 50 appearances on David Letterman, but uh, he, cause he liked it when I was on because I was prepared. I came always with funny stories. And, 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 of course, we were buddies. We started out together at the Comedy Store in L.A. And he... Uh, he calls me almost every other day, and we still reminisce and talk and laugh. And you know, yeah, he's he, he's it was he personified late night. I mean, Johnny Carson to me was the great late night show uh, host of all time. But David studied under Johnny, and he personified what late night was all about. You know, uh, and he 
as good as he was, he never wants you to tell him how good he was. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. want you to get a compliment. Uh, yeah, and Johnny, did you get called over to the couch on your first appearance? No, Johnny, on my third appearance, Johnny called me over to the couch. To, uh, to explain to your audience, in 1975, wherever you went in America, people say, what do you do for a living? You say, I'm a stand-up comedian. The next question out of their mouth was, oh, yeah, you ever been on Johnny Carson? And if you hadn't been in the eyes of America, you weren't a comedian. Yeah. But the first time you could stand up to America, you had arrived. But to my industry, you hadn't arrived, so you sat down and talked to Johnny. And, and uh, so on my third appearance, he called me over to talk. And then from that point on, you know, I, like I said, I did 61 appearances. And you got to be prepared. You had to have funny stories to tell Johnny when you sat down. You couldn't just go over there and just babble about anything. He wanted funny stories with a punchline, you know. Tom Dreesen's new book, Still Standing, My Journey from Streets and Saloons to the Stage and Sinatra. It's available at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. A great read, and I'm about halfway through it. I can't wait to, uh, to finish it. Nice to talk to you, Tom, and uh, we hope to see you back here in Las Vegas at some point in the future. I will, I'll be coming soon, Jimmy. And uh, we'll, we'll do another interview then when I get there. I'd, I'd like to do that. Great, Tom. Nice talking to you, Tom, and good luck. Thank you, Jimmy. And Tom's book, Still Standing, is probably the best inside look at what it was like to work so closely with Sinatra on the road all those years. Again, it's available now at Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. Well, that does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. There's a one-man band and he'll toot his flute for you. Come fly